see here how the Srimad Bhagavatam is very patiently taking people from a very near paradigm. And uplifting them. So that means that there's also there's so many people that actually they're not ready immediately to accept the personality of Godhead. There was two nights ago a couple here from Turkey. Muhammad and uh, his wife, companion, I forget the name, Yubida or something, unusual for Turkey. Nice people. I just got used to the ideas. And you know, they have immediately a question of what are the deities? Because the Islam deities are not. Well understood, to say the least. Are they prohibited? <laughs> and um, there are many people, for one reason or another, that may have difficulties. So, other many people now they're into the more natural way, the ecological concerns. So, maybe nature lovers or nature worshippers. I was on a plane with somebody who was living on the coast of Santa Monica, California. There's a house facing the ocean. Saying how beautiful the sunsets were, shining in her room. It's really appreciated. She asked him, maybe how are you? Sun. She said, well, the sunrises are really beautiful. The sunrise comes in my room. <laughs> you must get out early. <laughs> and if you don't miss the sunrise, <laughs> you see the sun set. You know? See, some people they may appreciate some of the natural beauties. Huh? If they could actually just transfer that appreciation of nature, that these are all part of Krishna, then they would become a little bit of Krishna conscious. Prabhupada said, even if a drunkard who's you know, an alcoholic, if they understand that Krishna is a sweet taste in liquids, and if they saw that a thing that they like within this rotten, <laughs> decomposed, fermented, uh, distilled beverage that they're drinking, the actual <coughs> essence of whatever there that they're liking is actually not different than Krishna. Maybe they would become Krishna conscious. <laughs> they could see that Krishna is the all attractive. It's a very basic uh, principle of Krishna consciousness. It does show that uh, yesterday was being discussed how somewhere, somewhere I was still discussing this to the Someone was mentioning how, and maybe it was in the class, <laughs> or maybe it was, uh, I can't remember exactly at this point. It did come up that some people, they find it difficult to take to Krishna consciousness maybe one of our meetings with Balabhantapu, because they have so many uh, attachments and that they think that to, in order to practice Krishna consciousness I have to give up what I drink and what I eat and what I do and everything, everything. 
But if you want to get back to Krishna in one lifetime, then you have to give up certain things that are detrimental. Usually, there's a few, you know, rare cases of special mercy that someone got. But generally, one has to give up things and practice Krishna consciousness very carefully if you want to be guaranteed to get back to Godhead. So, but apart from that, there's no reason why everybody cannot chant again, even the peak herders in Kulinagram. And usually peak herders aren't vegetarians. <laughs> I don't know if they were in Kalinagram. <laughs> How would you make a living herding pigs if you didn't dispose of the pig at one point or Anyway, they were also chanting Hare Krishna. So that was a, a considered a glory of Kalinagram, that everybody chanted Hare Krishna. You know, in the future, when Rupani Hati Influence expands over the total greater metropolitan Atlanta area, and your garbage man chants Hare Krishna, and your plumber, and your everybody. Yeah. The mailman, already the mailman has chanted, so we already got it. <laughs> <laughs> then, well, that'll be a good symptom. So we want everybody to chant, and then as they chant, and gradually they can, according to whatever status there are, there's a step-by-step -step procedure given here how to bring one to Krishna consciousness philosophically and practically. For some people, by Krishna's mercy, they advance very quickly and they can't accept many of the concepts very almost immediately. For some people, not everybody is the same. Some people take much longer to contemplate understanding. One very interesting point that's here is how we need to cleanse the dirty things created by tamas and rajas. And how normally people who are in tamas and rajas cannot be bona fide candidates who being situated in the transcendent stage of God realization. So then one may say, well, how then what is the hope of people in the West who are completely situated? Even Prabhupada, when he arrived in Boston, his first observation was that these people are suffering like anything, but they're very proud of their passion and ignorance. He didn't think that, oh, they're in passion, therefore they're enjoying it. Even the passion and ignorance means suffering. And the way passion works is it has its ups and downs. So sometimes you're in the up, and sometimes then you go crashing down. So those who are in the upswing, or they're hopeful that they're soon going to strike it rich or whatever. But those who are totally bewildered because of ignorance or combination of the above, they may feel very, you know, they may show tremendous enthusiasm, tremendous. Uh, <coughs> Dedication to their sense gratification. And then you get, you know, first the 1 800, uh, 188 
trauma numbers of people who call up or trauma center and different things, but they're also filled with uh, customers. In fact, someone said we should have our own number that people can call and have devotees that are turns to train how to advise people on how to find spiritual solutions to their problems. We <coughs> can bring a lot of people close to Krishna consciousness to that kind of service. But you know, you know, those people are kind of not noticed so much. So someone may get the impression that oh everybody's happy. If you really know what's happening, you know many people are suffering. And people are good at putting on a good face forward. I know that one couple one time came to see me and uh, everybody thought they were the happiest couple, happiest married couple. Then they asked if they could have a private version. <laughs> and they revealed that there were a lot of problems they're facing in their personal life and that they're really unhappy. And uh, we got them to add Krishna to their life, and then after that they said that they would become happy. Because they systematically put Krishna in their life, they could even come over the difficulties they're facing between each other. And could use Krishna as a common ground for everything. <clears throat> and there are many cases like principles actually very universal that if we practice the Bhagavad principles, we chant Hare Krishna, your Bhagavatam, then actually we do get purified from the influence of Kamas and Majas, we come up to the platform of pure goodness and everything becomes very easy and auspicious. Unfortunately, it's the new people that tend to often be much more submissive than when you tell them this and they tend to practice it. Sometimes they more seasoned devotees have already, when you tell them that why don't you get back to the basics and then you'll solve your problems and they think, well, I tried that, and whatever. And they don't realize or don't recognize that they might have done something, but they didn't do it right. Or they were doing it for a while that time, that's why they got as far as they did, but then they start neglecting those principles and they're back into trouble. That's why we're really grateful for His Holiness, Dr. Uh, Krishna Maharaj, because he's such a wonderful example and he's always enthusiastic to be very strict in all of our basic principles. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's very essential. We should actually be grateful for all the help we're getting. One of my realizations I've been getting so many realizations is how one thing that devotees sometimes lack is uh, simply uh, an appreciation for all the help that they're getting from other devotees. And uh, of course, one, whoever one probably feels the most gratitude to for helping is uh, the person that might become their Diksha Guru. But there are many uh, devotees uh, who, uh, through our devotional career, they help us. Some we may look to as a, a Siksha Guru because uh, we see them as representing Krishna in a very direct way. And we consider them a formal Siksha Guru. Or some of them we consider they just helped us in many ways. 
and they are more like an informal or Siksha Guru or Bhagavan Pradasha Guru, someone who is showing us the way at different points. And Krishna works through them also. And Narahari uh, Thakur, he said, actually, we should respect all the Vaishnavas as a guru, in the sense that everybody is teaching us in so many ways, either by their example and by their uh, instruction. Then we have a unique situation where Prabhupada and even Srinivati Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur, they were respect their disciples as being sent by their guru. Sometimes Prabhupada said that I am crippled and not able to carry out the orders of my guru to spread Krishna consciousness all over the world by myself. I should do it all single-handedly, but I'm not able to do so. My guru Maharaj has sent all of you to help me. So you are all representatives of my guru. We're sitting there, you know, we can't figure out what is it. So, here the Lord, he also he's learning even through his disciples. So he's seeing he's in such a humble mood that he sees everything is connected to Guru and Krishna. And so he's even grateful to his disciples who are actually totally dependent upon him. And they know that they couldn't do anything without his mercy. But still he's so magnanimous that he expresses gratitude just to teach us how we should be so grateful to everyone. It helps us. But this uh, contamination of passion and ignorance, it sometimes makes us uh, bewildered and we, we tend to, in very neophytes, they tend to only see God as the most neophyte in the world. One day we were Prabhupada in the morning walk in North Calcutta when we were living in this uh, Dharma shop, we had no place to stay. And, uh, Oh, we showed Prabhupada, I forget how we got there. Hey, well, when Prabhupada came, he already had an apartment. So he must have shown Prabhupada where we were staying. Because somehow we were in the strange street where we were staying, where I stayed for some time in the downshore. What was it? Well, we had a place, and we left that place, and we lived in this downshore. When the communists were having the revolution against the government, and they were shooting people around us. No, they finished that, so But, uh, so anyway, Prabhupada was walking here with us. He told us, you can chant early in the morning. Before, just before everybody wakes up, and chant Jeev Jago. Wake up sleeping souls. And they'll wake up chanting Hare Krishna, and they'll be very appreciative. I mean, in India, they should be appreciated when they wake up. I don't know, in America, <laughs> Even I think a Guru alumni is still resting. <laughs> Last night they were apparently from 10 to 1.30 having a holy, you know, that holy game of throwing water on each other, screaming. I didn't hear it. Somebody asked them, why don't you desist? And they said, you know, Prabhupada only slept two hours. Prabhupada only slept two hours, so you should desist. I was wondering this morning if someone Put buckets of water in there, and they would also appreciate this. We <laughs> <laughs> still don't see <clears throat> So many times we're not considerate. Prabhupada, he told me once, why don't you do what I do? I'm okay. As far as sleeping and everything. It seemed quite impossible at that time. 
it still seems quite impossible. Seems quite difficult, but still. And as Sri Prabhupada seems that if you have less than six hours of rest, you know, we don't uh, sort of always hear the first one on material rest now, but that is a little stronger. And that uh, without uh, ill effects. <coughs> but Sri Prabhupada suggests for other older leaders sleep. I think there was more to it than that. Transcendental nature. But he wanted us to follow his example, and he wanted us to, to learn from what he was doing. Everything he did was to teach us. So he told us directly and sometimes by example. So he was walking on the street in North Calcutta, telling us to do this early morning hari now. And then he saw, oh, one name, he said, I know this name, it's Chipoda. So he would just walk into his house. But in India, walking into somebody's house, they have a little reception room in people's homes. He was there in the reception room. And uh, he told the servant that I can meet with Chipoda, telling him that Bhakti Vedanta Swami was here. What a mercy, imagine Prabhupada walking in the house. I mean, it was without even invitation, just according to the Vedas, even it says, Atiti. Titi actually means date, when we say, so Atiti means without any pre-fixed date, without any warning, someone who just shows up. That is a, also means guest, but it really means like an unannounced guest, as compared to an invited guest. The Titi Narayan, sometimes Narayan, just to test his devotee or to test someone, he would take the form of somebody and just come and visit without any warning. And then they would not treat him well. And then he would reveal who he was or something. Uh oh. <laughs> so that's what is the saying in Sanskrit Atiti Narayan. Treat it Atiti as if it was Narayan coming in disguise. You're under test. But this person apparently, he didn't, that's just a normal moral standard. That's why householders doing puja, they're allowed to interrupt their pujas and things if they have guests, and then, but they're supposed to fast until they finish the puja. That's their austerity. Where at the temple, we don't have to interrupt, we just go on. But the house, you know, so many emergencies can happen. So the was waiting and that. The, the Dharma, the guest, the servant, he came back and he said, Babu puja kortirai. Babu is doing his puja. And Prabhupada, he was there giving comments on the person's neophyte. He is doing puja to the Lord. The Lord is sending his representative. So by serving the representative of the Lord, the Lord will be much more pleased. But he thinks I am worshiping God. He bruises. Prabhupada was giving us so many <laughs> commentaries. <laughs> so there's some people they only see God. Right? Okay, this is worshiping God. But he's not seeing the devotee of the Lord. Who's representing the Lord? Then there's someone they only see, okay, they see God and they see their guru. 
don't recognize others. Who else? Right. Then someone if they advance and they see higher level, that's a Madhya Madhikari, they see the Supreme Person of Godhead and his representative the Gurus, they see the Vaishnavas, who they make friends with, who they associate with and get uh, purification by their association. They see innocent people that they try to preach to and bring closer to Krishna. They see demons that are really eliminatory to try to avoid their contaminating association. So that's the Madhyam Then you get Uttam level, they sing everybody as a devotee. They sing that everybody is serving Krishna except themselves. They show their service at least. The problem said, you know, when you're in that particular mood and it's very hard to preach, because you're so humble that you see everybody as already advanced. So actually one has to come down, Ruta Marikari has to come down to the Matya Marikari vision for preaching. As you start to discriminate and come to that vision. Sometimes in their preaching they may revert to their original position. This will get some a Prabhupada and the purport about Druga Maharaj. He says that I'm feeling myself very crippled and sometimes I'm just hoping that there'll be some disciple who like Druga Maharaj went back to Godhead and took his mother with him. Some will get back to Godhead and take me with them. Prabhupada didn't have to say that and obviously that's not that's just like so too so heavy for the body to hear such things. But it's showing his Uttamarakari tradition of total humility and dependence on Krishna and appreciation for everything. It's also training us how we should be so humble and so grateful for all the help. And actually we see that <coughs> Prabhupada one time he called that a disciple doesn't follow the spiritual master, he turned it as a miser. You should think of a miser, someone who doesn't give you charity. You know, someone who's like just like we recently were reading a story about uh, the glories of the month of Baisha from the Padma Purana. I discovered Baisha, it's a wonderful month. It's considered to be uh, like Dhammadhar month. Dhammadhar month is the dearest month. It's really for devotional services. It's a month for purely Krishna conscious advancement. Vaishak, in many Vedas, is the best month. It's the first month of the Vedic year. Not our year. Our year begins in Guru Purnima. So it's one month after Guru Purnima. <coughs> I forget the Vaishnava. I think it's called Mantra Madhava. Kartik. Kartik. Huh? Kartik. Kartik is not Kartik is Dhammadara. Kartik is Dhammadara. I'm going to offer suggestions. He's off to the right. We can look at the calendar. The sun is Taurus. The sun is Taurus. So, sure it's not Aries? 
they help the parents, they're grateful to the parents, they're looking out, they think, what can I do to reciprocate with what my parents do? And so they're very, very rare. <laughs> Actually, that, that, the problem one time said, in the, in the West, everybody now in the modern uh, mood is quantity of children. You know, like for America, they, people see the statistics, oh, too many children, we should uh, sponsor family planning programs and give subsidized contraceptives to the third world so they stop producing so many children. They don't think about what the moral effect of is or anything. So, but India Prabhupada said that the Vedic culture is talking more about the quality of the child. We want a good quality of the child. That's why Garbhodan Samskara, Dasam Samskara, doing all the samskaras to bring up the bring up the children in a Krishna conscious environment, things like that, these are so essential. So that you have a Sukhutra or Putri, a very good son or daughter, who will look out for you when when you die, they don't think I have to do this ceremony to my to deliver the departed soul of my mother and father who I owe so much to. Then the fifth child is called neutral. They can care less. They're not against the parents. They're not for the parents. It's neutral. Don't worry about them. It's just there, you know, say. They don't cause any trouble. They don't do anything. It's neutral. Totally Neutral. <laughs> so they're not very really useful. <laughs> it's not so useful. So the wife was saying, so why do we want a child? Look at what happened. We don't know. We only got a small percentage of the chances are there to get good children. There's a high risk factor. So you know, somehow we got this far. <laughs> but, the, that, but the husband, he wasn't listening. He said, no, no, we got to have it. I really want to So then she must have been she he was really fortunate in such a Krishna conscious life, just hearing the story. And she said, Why don't you go to the Sister Rishi? There's a Satya Yuga or something, or the Sister's Satya Trinity Yuga. I mean he's still around somewhere, but we don't run we're not so fortunate to see the sister. We couldn't just like tell someone to go and see the sister. <laughs> so he was available that everyone knew where he was. I suggested if you ask him, then he could tell you, you know, what to do or why to not have any children. So then he went, to make a long story a little shorter, he went and saw the Shishkamuni and they had a lot of exchanges and he finally wanted to know why is it that I'm not having, you know, how can I have a child or why am I having a child? And the Vashishta being such a great mystic yogi, he could see into the past and things like that. So he said, well, the reason they're not having a child is uh, there's a reason for that. It's not just ordinary, it's actually a reason for that. Karmically. He said, in your previous birth, you were a sutra. And uh, you were working and you had some cows and did some farming, and somehow you were selling the milk from your cows and you got some money and then you made a good investment and you got more money. And you got more money and more money, but actually you were very greedy. You were very miserly. You didn't get any 
anything to anybody. You just hoarded all your money. You didn't even let your wife know where the money was. You didn't even, you know, you just, everybody was like living like paupers. You didn't get out anything. You just wanted money, money, money. And didn't get anything to anybody. So that's why, because you were so miserly that you don't have any children. You don't have any money this much. So he was like, how did I become a Brahmana? And I was a sutra with all those sinful things. How is it that I became a Brahmana? He said, when he died, Yamadudas came and took him away. So then, Vishishtha said, ah, there's also a reason for that. One time, it's the only thing, what I can see in your whole life, the only one thing you ever did well, good, was someone, a Hare Krishna, you know, a Vaishnava, Krishna Bhakta, visited your house, and you received that devotee. Hariva! Give him a glass of water. You know, you received them with something, I don't know, bathe his feet or something, whatever. I don't know exactly how much reception. You gave some reception. Offered some sweet words and something to eat or something. Was a good host. And that devotee told you that this is the month of Vaishnava. So you should. It's actually four or five days left. If you bathe every day the rest of this month, early in the morning, and you pray, you'll get good fortune. So you did that, and, that, and that's why you got so much good fortune. And because of that little service you did to a Vaishnava, you could be born as a Brahmana to continue on with your spiritual life. But because of your miserliness, and because you didn't use any of the good things you got in a wise way, that's why you have no children and no money. What can I do now? And she said, well, it's a month of Vaishnava. You've got about 10 days left. <laughs> <laughs> we go back and this time, you know, you pray and you pray to chant Hare Krishna and you do your morning bath and all the things. But it was interesting how this person was so miserly and then how, you know, so that miserly, how he didn't get a nice life, and how little service he got so much. Little one day, you know, Hare Krishna devotee visiting the house. How much should be inspiring? How important it is to visit people in their home? Of course, if they receive you, <laughs> if they receive you bad, then it's not so good for them. But how little gratitude, how little appreciation of somebody helping us in our spiritual life can go such a long way. Up to the point, of course, where the devotees, they felt so grateful to Srila Prabhupada, they dedicate themselves, they want to serve Prabhupada for their whole life. And they commit. And one feels grateful to the spiritual master for the help that he's giving, and then they dedicate to follow his instructions. But I was appreciating also, just like in this festival we had here, you know, you really have to appreciate the different devotees that did such wonderful things. Appreciate uh, all about the Prabhu that uh, worked so enthusiastically preparing everything for the festival. Oh,
team that works from the beginning to the end and really should be very grateful for that committee. So even they didn't know what, how that thing was going to happen to <laughs> financially and otherwise, but somehow their, their diligent enthusiasm and Krishna's mercy things happen. So we should be very grateful to those team of devotees that were working so hard for the us an opportunity as a preacher to preach to them. 
Actually, by speaking about Krishna, we get purified. That's one of the Savanam Kirtanam. By doing Kirtan, we get purified. And by listening, somebody gets purified. It's all part of the nine process of devotional service. So sometimes a preacher may feel very grateful just because somebody's there and we're good to hear. And the person can understand, well, what am I doing? You know, I just did my end. I want to. <laughs> But no, the fact that you're coming, there's so many people in Maya that are not coming and they're not asking and they're not showing any interest. So the fact that somebody's showing interest is very makes them appreciate grateful and want to help. Of course, then there's that, uh, some people, there's that funny story where there was a lady always, every time she would, the preacher was spinning fiery points and then she'd start crying and crying. He felt very grateful. What a great devotee. Who is this person? He's so inspired by my preaching. He asked, you know, what is it that's inspiring you so much? You know, oh, what's your little beard? Between Chapter Mass and it wasn't shaving. I had one of those little goatees kind of going. Your little beard reminded me of my pet goat. Just <laughs> Every time you make a forceful point in your head shakes and the little bust, the little, the little beard shakes. Sometimes it's not the external shows, but also putting it in practice. Like the way you can really show your gratitude, of course, is by a committed service and a commitment to really continue helping the spiritual master. Actually, the Prabhupada has given me some instructions that uh, I don't see any way that I can fulfill these instructions without tremendous help without total help and cooperation from my God brothers and from all other devotees around this kind of what to speak of, you know, those who have somehow rather decided to take me as a spiritual master. Like one of the, just like he gave the, told me, I've given you the kingdom of God, I have to now develop it. What capacity I have to develop? I told the whole society about it, but he told me also, I can't see how I can do it on my own. One time he told me, I want you to expand the Krishna conscious uh, propaganda unlimitedly. That's a tough one. <laughs> so, unlimitedly. I can't, uh, I'm, I'm limited. I, I can't help this one person. So, only way I can do it is if everybody does it, then they're all helping. Prabhupada, they're all helping me. So, <laughs> So that I think Robert used to say that one should see, for the GBC, to see the world first and then his own second. When I was seeing as a preacher, as a devotee, even as a spiritual master, you have to also see kind of the whole world of devotees and first, and then uh, you have to also then take care of our own disciples. But I think before it was only something okay, I see my disciples first, and whatever time is left over, see everybody. But actually, we have a collective responsibility to see that everybody that's come to the Krishna conscious movement is able to get everything that Prabhupada wanted them to get. <laughs> and then we have to specifically see our own children, whoever they are, and to be 
Then I was realizing how I'm feeling very grateful and I'm feeling how wonderful all the devotees are. But somehow Krishna has brought so many wonderful devotees to this Krishna conscious movement. And how we're all you know, together in the same boat, so to speak, here in, in Islam. And how as, a, as leaders, or as a, as a, as a leader, as a, one of the older disciples of Prabhupada, Personally, and I'm sure that many of the, you know, the other leaders can relate with this, that the feeling how it was such a responsibility to make all the devotees within our Krishna conscious movement to have them develop up to their full potential, and then realize all the things that Prabhupada has left for them, and how to appreciate the all the services that they do in the way that Prabhupada, he would appreciate everything that people did. I mean, he would appreciate, somebody gives a story that Brahmananda told how some big muscular guy walked right into the New York temple and stood there carrying a box with his shoes on and just standing there in front of the beach and, and looking around. People thought, what is going on? And Prabhupada said, welcome, is there something, you know, you can do it for you, it's something you like. And he said, Well, I brought this for you. Mm. Well, I said, what is it? It was a box of toilet paper. So okay, you can give it to him. And I put it over in that room and then I put it and then I turned around and walked off. Probably said, nice service attitude. <laughs> <laughs> he could have he could have said, you know, he wore shoes in the temple or he which, you know, didn't smile or whatever. Prabhupada picked out the one good thing. He had nice service hands. <laughs> it was a box of toilet paper. It's hard to be used. But, uh, yeah. <clears throat> he appreciated it. So Prabhupada would appreciate any little thing. Even Prabhupada, when he was in South America, he asked how to say good morning in Spanish. And someone said, because if I say good morning to people, and they say, respond, they get a blessing because Krishna is grateful that they're, they're, they're respecting, of, you know, even showing courtesy, simple, you know, normal courtesy to Vaishnava. So to give them blessings, he would, you know, say, como esta, buenos dias. And in America, he would say, good morning to people. So, I don't put pictures of Krishna before him. So, how much we need to be grateful for all the devotees and to be serving Srila Prabhupada and helping us to fulfill the orders that Prabhupada wants to do, that we should flood the inundate the world of Krishna consciousness. Without devotees, how is it possible to do that? Even Lord Chaitanya was feeling that I'm only one gardener, if I have to pick all the fruits myself and distribute it, it will be very difficult, very laborious, and I won't know if everybody gets some people I think will not get it. So I want everyone, whatever, every human on the planet to take up Krishna consciousness and give it to everybody. So those who have actually taken up the order of Lord Chaitanya, and it's something really glorious. I was feeling so grateful this year to somehow just very appreciative of how wonderful this kind of devotees are. 
both the congregation, both home-based devotees and congregational devotees, or the temple-based devotees. Everyone is so glorious by chanting Hare Krishna. So, <clears throat> if you can learn to appreciate I know, as I started to get all these realizations and feel very appreciative, I started to feel, maybe for a moment, this passion ignorance was a little bit reduced or something. I started to feel very blissful. I started to feel really blissful in appreciating the devotees and wanting to serve the devotees. One day I may, get, I may be able to realize that what it is to serve Krishna, but at least I'm starting to realize that uh, it's very wonderful to serve the devotees. And uh, although we forget very quickly, Tamas is very eager to cover us up at any moment. We get those moments, those glimpses where like the clouds clear to the sky and we start to see things, or the big kirtan, the big festival for a moment, we start to feel really blissful. And then it doesn't take long for the clouds to come over again and cover up the consciousness and we start seeing <clears throat> and that's why it's so important to have regular sadhana, to chant our rounds so very carefully, to, to read regular Srila Prabhupada's books. I want to, I want to, I'm restarting again reading Srila Prabhupada's uh, books all over. I was, uh, some devotees in uh, Switzerland, some of the book distributors, they read Prabhupada's books six times. But most devotees in the Krishna conscious movement, I don't know most, but let me say at least many without getting in trouble, have not definitely read all of Prabhupada's books. And I mean some people that come for second initiation who have read Bhagavad Gita once or twice, not read even the first canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. I know Prabhupada, he said to get initiation when I was about to, I had to read the Bhagavad Gita ten times and the Srimad Bhagavatam first canto three times. And that was the best thing, you know, because I was reading all the time, every spare moment. There was no time to gossip, no time to, to lay around or anything. It was, you know, any time I got free from any service, I was reading. And uh, Prabhupada's books give us so much wisdom. And we should really go deep into the books. And just even, although I, I think I must have read this canto many times, but still, Somehow, when you read it, you get so many new insights every time, and, and so many new ideas. And even when I read the question by King Kriksha, it was so moving this time. It was to really give the full detail how and where the mind has to be uh, applied, how we can get the dirty things removed from the mind. This is very inspiring to see that, those questions. And here, Kriksha, to what saw Vishnu in his womb, when he was in the womb of his mother, he's the grandson of Arjuna, he's such a great devotee. Every day of his life he would chant Hare Krishna, he would worship Krishna in his whole kingdom chanting Hare Krishna. Kali couldn't even get a, get a, a finger hold of what to speak of, a toe hold. And he's talking about how to get the dirty things purified from our heart. He's so humble and so sincere. 
So we have to be very grateful to Pariksha Maharaj for taking the sacrifice and asking all these questions. I'm very grateful to Sudhadev Goswami for having uh, answered the questions. I'm very thankful to Vyasadeva for having they are written down. So we have to be thankful for Ganesha, even just being the scribe to write them down. So, like this, if we just start to feel grateful to a happy Amaisen, then actually, it's only spiritual people that we could appreciate, the people that have been helping us. And then if, if you have this, and actually if you appreciate, then it develops into relationships where you actually start building this spiritual bonding between people that you do appreciate and telling them that I appreciate it. Lord Chaitanya said, Mahadena, Amadena, Mahadena. Don't expect anyone to appreciate me, but I want to offer appreciation and respect to others. Everybody was, was applying that. What a wonderful association would be for the competition. Remember, I had the opportunity to be here when I did another Maharaj had his Yas Puja said, He said, don't you dare glorify me. I'm going to get you back if you do. I said, no, you can't stop me. And then I just glorified him. And then, but then he started going around and glorifying me, which is very painful. He don't want to hear anybody glorifying me. It's very wonderful to appreciate the motives. So in this world where we get agitated by passion and ignorance and uh, if we can start to cleanse the dirty things by remembering Vishnu, we remember Vishnu's devotees. His devotees, that's also equally purifying. He said, even if one is able to remember a Vaishnava, we get purified. What to speak of seeing Vaishnavas or chanting or even taking prasad with them or getting the dust from their lotus feet or hearing them speak about Krishna. So Vaishnavas are so purifying. So all of you are Vaishnavas, and people that you come in contact with can be also brought closer to Krishna if you're aware of the great, even in underwear can handle it, if you're aware of the great blessing that you're carrying with you and you're trying to represent Krishna and your spiritual master and trying to be a positive Krishna conscious influence on others then you can bring unlimited people to the Krishna conscious movement. You can bring them the lotus feet of Krishna, or at least bring them closer to God, even in their own religions. And this way you can uh, really make a difference in the world. Be like a touchstone that everyone you meet, they get affected and they get improved. And that's what uh, devotees are considered, they're like touchstones. And that's why it says, Sadhu Sangha, Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Shastra Koi, Lova Mantra, Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Sutti Koi. One can achieve all success in spiritual life simply by even a momentary association with a pure devotee. So I hope you see your take advantage and take a, should be very grateful that now Virkhati is holding this Virkhati, we're going to be spending a lot of time here in Atlanta. He's uh, giving so much shiksha and good examples. I hope everyone is very grateful for every help he's giving and make. Try to cooperate with all his uh, desires and enthusiasm here to see this project 
we, we, we gain its wealth, glory, or Prabhupada was here and come to new heights as well. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. So, Gopad Ki. Yeah. Any question? <laughs> Comment, Maharaj? What happened? You want to know what happened? He went back and he started chanting Hare Krishna and he bathed in the holy river and he prayed worship Vishnu in the month of Vaishak and afterwards he had four good children who were all devotees and he chanted Hare Krishna and his wife and they became pure devotees of Krishna and they went back to God. Everything in the world. He said there's a large community from Turkey here. It would be very nice if we could cultivate the devotees. Uh, in, in, in like in foreign countries, you can't preach to Muslims. But in America, you can. And if we could uh, have many devotees from the uh, Middle East, many, you know, many people from Middle East, that we could cultivate them, someone taking them doing a special program. Like that's how we got into Russia. Was that the devotees used to couldn't go even and preach at one point, so they would go to the ships, and the sailors they would give all their books, and they would they give to truck drivers driving into Russia. Any way they could get the books in there, they would just send the books, and then gradually more and more people started reading them and becoming Krishna conscious. And then from that, the whole underground movement began. The most difficult country, the only the real frontier to some extent that we know is like the. the Leftover communist countries like China, Cuba, a few other, I don't know, maybe one or two North Korea or something. And then the uh, Islamic countries, many of them are more open than others, but to a large degree it's quite restricted to Christian men. You need to have citizens, local people, and you can't preach to them, so how do you get But So many are studying and working in different countries. It's so we can we can give them Krishna consciousness here. Maybe in the future, sometime our Prabhupada sent a Trayarishi back to Iran and he was able to establish Krishna consciousness in Iran at that time. So usually it takes a local person because they know how to blend in. Yeah? Alright, we just went They are so right, so nice. You wanna go there? They'll take a drop of cream out of the south. They'll give you two or three days of conferences. They'll get as many people as you want there. They just wait. Because I have nobody wants to go. I'll have to go. Thank you. Thank you. Last year, the daughter of Vidal Castro, the daughter, she was making a demonstration from Miami, going with many boats towards Cuba, a demonstration against Fidel, his own daughter. She was coming CNN was the report. She was wearing a t-shirt saying Hare Krishna. That may be why we should go in the Lakers. Hare Krishna is on there.
It was amazing. She was very busy. She was a CNN coverage. She was talking this. She's against Fidel. This is the Eduardo didn't tell that he didn't keep the Jayanti at his house and invited people. He set up already two yoga conferences, big yoga conferences. You want to go? We'll just set it. Will go down? Come on, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, the mesh are going to go there. We have to go quick. I know. <laughs> Alright, guys.
Krishna house, then we cannot limit it. Because Krishna, he can extend unlimitedly. Just like Lord Chaitanya, he talked about the spiritual tree of Bhakti, Bhakti Vrisha, and how this tree of Bhakti would expand over the whole world. And that even one branch of the tree could expand over the whole universe. That every part of the tree was alive, cognizant, conscious, communicative. And that all parts of the tree could produce fruit. And fruit was coming out from everywhere on the tree. And that the International Society of Krishna Consciousness or ISKCON was one of the branches of that tree of bhakti. So if a tree can spread over the whole universe, then also the house of Krishna can also give shelter to so many people. Right? How that is possible? cannot be understood simply by material logic. Because you may say, well, if a limited number of people can stay in a house and visit a house. But just like if every one of you becomes uh, spiritually empowered, then your influence can also reach so many other people. So from a small group of people that can reach many people, there's so many even logically <coughs> Apart from that, here the Dirihari, the deity of Lord Krishna, Govardhan, the very special deity, gives Radha Krishna, Sitaram, Hanuman, and Achi, as well as Narasimha Dev. So, whatever deity is being worshipped for eight prosha, Around the people get some spiritual benefit. You know how big a prosha is? Two miles. So 16 prosha is uh, like 25 kilometers for those from Europe. 16 miles, so that's quite a big area. So just by having the deities worshipped here, also Jagannath Maladev Subhadra, little do the people of Columbus know. Their karmas are being changed. 
in our individual has got karmas. Everything we do, we have two accounts. We have spiritual account and we have material account. As we deposit, as we do good things, helping others materially goes in the good account. As we do uh, sinful things and cause harm to others, then it goes into our bad karma account. And the both accounts are going on simultaneously. So many people, they wonder, how is it that bad things happen to good people? This person has done good things, why they are forced to suffer? They don't know that the account is going on simultaneously on both the sides. And similarly, you also get withdrawals from both accounts. Just because you do good works, it doesn't cancel out the bad works. For good works, you get good reaction. For bad works, you get a painful reaction. So the bad karma, you get... Uh, Well, for the good karmas, what do you get? You get Sri, Janam, Aishwarya, Vidya. You get opulence, material wealth and opulence. You get a good birth, aristocratic birth. You get good looks, good personal beauty. You also get uh, things like uh, good health, education. And then bad karma is opposite. Bad health, litigation. Ugly, then uh, poor, impoverished, what else? Everything opposite. Not a good family, so many problems in their family are born in. So, those two things are going on side by side. One doesn't cancel out the other. That means that this uh, someone thinks, well, I give a lot of charity, then I won't suffer for all the bad things I do. It doesn't work that way. You'll suffer for what you do bad, you'll enjoy for what you do good. So that's why, actually, in this material world, this is a no win situation. Because how can anybody avoid doing something that's harmful to others? Inadvertently, we do so many things which are inconsiderate of others. That means that without, being totally beyond our control, we're going to be forced to suffer in different ways. Even we find maybe there's just someone who's got all kinds of money, maybe very wealthy, but then he may be having marital problems, or maybe he gets cancer. Even sometimes President of the United States has to go for prostate gland cancer, this that so many things are going on. The wife of the President, uh, I think Reagan had to also have a, she had a cancer of the, of the breast. So it's not that it's because you're rich and powerful, you don't get bad karma. How are the two things that are going on side by side? That's just the way it works. And what is the solution? Actually the solution is we should See that beyond good and bad in the material world, there's a higher spiritual, a higher spiritual reality, and that spiritual reality is where we actually belong to be in Krishna consciousness. So that's what we're going to discuss. How many people here chant drums? How many people chant japa? Just curious. You chant the beats. How many chant the beats? So, 
How many belong to some Brahman group? Most children. Most people, they like to you know, avoid the suffering, right? And they like to get the happiness. But unfortunately, in the material world, it's a mix. So Lord Nityananda Guru, who's an associate of Lord Chaitanya, he had a very famous invitation. He wanted to have everyone, invited everyone to give them unadulterated happiness. In material life, happiness is always mixed with suffering. He wanted to give happiness which had no suffering. Pure happiness, which we don't have any experience of. So, that pure happiness he was giving to the process of bhakti or devotional service, hearing, chanting, remembering, and so on. Sadhanam, Kirtanam, Smaranam, Bandhanam. The reason that they come down into the material world from the spiritual world, the avatars of the incarnation, is to actually bring us a glimpse of what spiritual happiness is. Because we only have experience of material happiness. If somebody doesn't come and show us what is spiritual happiness, how will we know it? We'd have no experience. Like now in America, you get mangoes, isn't it? You can buy mangoes in the market, in Mexico or somewhere, I don't know, wherever they bring it. But a uh, hundred years ago, you, you won't get mangoes in America, really. at least not in this part of America, maybe in Florida or something. Because they didn't have the shipping and all that worked out. So there's a story how in England, one. English gentleman, he came back from India, he was telling his children how wonderful mango fruit is. It has some fibers in it, but it's very sweet and juicy. So, the children, they, well, they couldn't figure it out, the what's the taste. So then he happened to have a big beard, so he mixed some sugar water, and he stuck the beard in the sugar water and said, if you just suck my beard, you'll understand what mango is like. You think that they got a good idea what mango is like? <laughs> Sucking his beard? How many of you have tasted a mango? Do you get the same taste by sucking somebody's beard? <laughs> many people ask, them, what, is the, what is the happiness you get out of Krishna consciousness? Is it like this? Is it like that? Is it like something else? You know, Is it like a roller coaster ride? Or is it like you know, flying in a... You know, balloon or... But it's not like anything like that. Something that you cannot explain. If you want to understand what it's like, you actually have to taste it. So what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did is come to give everyone a taste of what is spiritual happiness. Maybe first of all, only gets a drop and realizes that here is a happiness that is not dependent on my senses. Because in material life, every happiness we have is simply dependent on the senses. How does it feel in terms of our senses? The five 
tasting, touching, smelling, seeing, and hearing. But say sometimes, like I personally had an experience that I one time had like a hundred, four or five fever, really high fever. That's the pyramid system. That might be, I don't know what, I forget the center. So, at that time though, somebody was reading the Prabhupada books to me and I was feeling so much happiness, spiritually, hearing Prabhupada's teachings. But physically, I was having headache, body ache, fever. Physically, what I was feeling was all negative all the dials on my, you know, control panel was showing negative, negative, negative. But from the spiritual platform, I was getting something very positive. Now, this kind of thing, we can start to realize that even though I may face so many problems in the material life, that my spiritual happiness is not dependent on that. Spiritual happiness is something on a totally different platform because it's coming down from the soul. Now, different people have different philosophies. How do we get the spiritual happiness? How do we get spiritual advancement? There's the philosophy of the monkey, baby, and the philosophy of the kitten. How many of you have seen a kitten? Here in America, a lot of Cats and kittens, right? So what is kitten philosophy, you know? You know? The mother picks the baby up. What does that signify? What does the kitten have to do to get picked up? Nothing. Everything is done by the mother. So this is the philosophy that we are too fallen to do anything, it will all be done by God. There are some born again, something, I don't know, some born again, that claim that we are, flesh is weak and there is nothing we can do. Our Lord has died for us and taken all of our sins so weak. There is no hope of even trying to control our senses or anything. We can just do, but we just have to surrender and let He'll do everything. We don't have to do anything. So that's kitten philosophy. Just we don't do anything but just accept the Lord and He does everything. From our side, we just go on with life as normal. Then there's the baby monkey philosophy. You know that philosophy. Safety also. Audio thinking? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Two separate things. Audio. What, who knows what monkey baby is? How many have seen the baby monkey? So many have seen baby monkey here in Columbus. <laughs> What are the, what are the, how does the mother carry the baby monkey? How many hands does she have to hold the monkey as she jumps from one branch to the next of the tree? None. Then, how is the monkey baby holding on? 
This clings to the mother. But that's the other philosophy that we have to do everything. You know, we believe in God, but it's our hard work that is going to give us what we want. It's, it's our endeavor, if we do our sadhana correctly, that we're going to get it. God is automatically just gives the blessings according to our own endeavor. Actually, both of these two philosophies are extreme. Our Param Guru Dev, the Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur explained, actually the real vision is something in between the two. That is like falling into the well and someone hands down a rope. If you hold on the rope, you can't get out of the well on your own. It's too deep and too steep. If someone has to push the put hand down the rope. But you have to, you know, hold on to the rope. And the combined effort of someone pulling you out and you holding on and trying to get out, this combined effort works. And that's actually how we make advancement in Krishna consciousness. We need the rope is like the mercy of Krishna, mercy of the Guru coming down. And our holding on the rope is our endeavor to please Krishna through devotional service. Both the things that are required, the desire of the devotee and the mercy of the Lord. So that mercy of the Lord and his devotee is a very important factor. So Lord Chaitanya, in his request that he wants everyone to be happy, he wants people to be free from the suffering of old age and death, rebirth, disease. Want everyone to be happy by chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. In order to reach that level, one needs that mercy. That's why every one of you are actually so important because those who are already chanting, especially those who already believe in Krishna, everyone has got with them the seed of Krishna Bhakti that's been given out to the Shatopad and the Gurus. And at least that preliminary seed, some preliminary awakening in the heart of the conditioned soul can be given by the contact with the devotee. Lord Chaitanya has ordered every person in the universe to take up, to accept the Krishna consciousness movement and to give it to everyone without any discrimination. Without discrimination, this person of this race or that race or this gender or this age or this. Everyone without discrimination should get the mercy. That's Lord Chaitanya's movement. You shouldn't think, well, this person doesn't look like he or she can accept Krishna consciousness, so I won't bother to ask. A bit indiscriminately, we go up to everybody and ask them to chant Hare Krishna. Ask them to take a, a book, to take prasad. 
And sometimes people you least expect it from turn out to be very, very favorable. If you then ask them, then you won't know how favorable they are. So Lord Chaitanya, he said, I'm the gardener of this bhakti tree, the tree of bhakti. I have to see that all the fruits are harvest, harvested and given out to everyone. But if I do it on myself, then I think it will be very laborious. And then I may not be able to give everybody the fruit. Someone will get, someone won't get. Therefore, I want everyone to help me. How many are come from South India? You know, there to Andhra Pradesh, Tamil Nadu, you went to Tirupati. So you know that the apology there that Marrying Padmavati, Lakshmi, he had to take loan from Kuvair. So all the devotees are going and giving the Pranami, the, the Hundi, to get the blessing from Balaji to help him pay back his debt. Right. So that's a special way of serving the Lord in that particular temple. When Krishna came down on this earth, then people could be tower boys and they could serve the Lord like that. When Ramchandra was present, then all the monkeys got the chance to join the army with Hanuman and serve Lord Ram and so many people in Ayodhya. So, when Lord Chaitanya came down, he gave another kind of devotee opportunity to join his movement. That is that he was given a special, there's a special history. People don't know who is actually Lord Chaitanya. Even in India, many people don't understand that Krishna was requested by Narakuni and by Rukmini that he had to do two things. He should know what is the mood, mind of his devotee by personal experience, and he should see that the people of Kali Yuga get delivered. So he promised to come down into the material world to fulfill these two purposes. And there was a great devotee called Advaita Acharya who prayed to the Lord to come and for that purpose he was fasting, he was worshipping a Shaligam Shiva with Ganges water and Tulasi Manjaris or special Tulsi flowers or kind of sacred tree flower. He would be loudly crying out Krishna's name, Krishna! 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 Louder than that. <laughs> if he wanted Krishna to please come down in the material world, because he saw that people were very materialistic and although he was a and not different than Krishna, he didn't feel strong enough to attract the minds of the people from this kind of gross materialism to a spiritual happiness. So he was praying that the Lord would come down. Now, the Lord heard his prayer and decided to come down. And he appeared in Navadipta, where I live, in Mayapur. And in Mayapur, for the first 16 or 17 years, he kept himself hidden. But then he started to manifest his devotional service 
and show his great devotion. So he wanted to reveal to Advaita that I am actually the person that you had requested to come. So then he told one devotee called Ramdas, you go and tell Advaita Goswami that that Lord for whom he fasted, he cried, he worshipped Tulsi has now come. You tell him that. Now he is here in Navati Maya Pradam. So Ramdas went to see Advaita Goswami, who was worshipping his deity of Shaligram in his courtyard. As soon as he came and was offered his respect, Advaita Acharya, without hearing a single word, he jumped up and he, and he started to just like loudly talk to himself. How do I know that this is my Lord who is coming? What is the proof? Many people know that I prayed for him. Maybe someone is saying, what is the truth? How do I know that he's really the Lord? Ram Das was amazed because he hadn't said a single word. He didn't reveal why he was coming or anything. So he knew that while Advaita Acharya, he's a great spiritual master, he's a bit eccentric, hard to fathom what he's knowing or thinking. So he just sat there and waited. Then, Advaita sat down and said, Oh, what brings you here? Then Ramdas, he said, That Lord for which you have fasted, cried, shouted loudly in devotion, who you have worshipped, the Shaligam Shila, with Tulsi and Ganges water, that Lord is here now in Navadri Mayapur Dhar. of God has come down. You tell him, I'm not going. I'm not coming. You tell him that. What I'll do is I'll hide in the village and I'll observe and if he's really my Lord, he'll call me out. He'll put his lotus feet on my head and he'll reveal to me his spiritual glory. Without me asking, you tell him, I'm not coming. Then he looked and then he saw that his uh, wife, Sita Chakurani, she had a big arti tray with all the puja articles. I said, oh, what is that for? In case he's the Lord, she be ready, right? She was so expert, she thought ahead. That's what the quality of a first class disciple is, is to think ahead and know what the Guru wants without the Guru asks. Second class means you carry out the orders of the Guru. And the third means you carry them out but be halfway or something, very not so enthusiastically. And then fallen disciple means you don't carry out the orders of the Guru at all. So she was very expert. So they both went 
and again in the village. Soon as Ramdas came, he went and bowed down to Lord Chaitanya. He's going to tell him that Lord is not coming. But before he can say anything, Lord Chaitanya starts to call out. Narai, Narai! It's a nickname for Advaita. You come here. I know you're hiding. You come here now. Advaita was exposed. Nearly came out, paid his obeisances. Lord Chaitanya came, put his lotus feet on his head. And when Advaita looked up, he, he saw not Lord Chaitanya in the normal way that you see a person in the material world, but he could see the Lord in his Satchitananda, eternal, blissful form, filled with spiritual knowledge, with Brahma Jyoti coming out, effulgent, more brilliant than millions of suns. Couldn't see anything in the universe but Lord Chaitanya at that time, simply seeing the spiritual vision. Then he began to worship the Lord. So many people, they don't understand that how Krishna has agreed to come. He came, he revealed his purpose, that I have come here to give out my own bhakti. And why I am coming disguised as a devotee, because I want to know what the devotee is experiencing when they worship me. In a nutshell, there are more esoteric reasons, but in a simple way. So when the Lord came, he asked Advaita, so what do you want? You tell me what you want. You have to ask me a gift. If you know you came, that's enough. Now I know you're here, you'll deliver the whole world. Now you want me, now I want to give you a, a blessing. You have to tell me what you want. I'll give you a boon. So finally Advaita said, well, if I have to ask for something, then give this mercy that those people who are totally unqualified, those people are normally don't get the mercy. Because usually great saints and kings and brahmanas and priests and yogis and so on, they always get the mercy. When does the common man ever get the mercy? They're hopelessly fallen and entangled in their material situation. So Advaita prayed that I want in this life, let the people who normally don't get their mercy, let them get the mercy first. Let them get the mercy. So Lord Chaitanya said, Tatashta, so be it. So if somebody thinks that I am very qualified, I come from a good family, I come from my education, I have whatever it might be, so much spiritual credit to me, therefore I should get Lord Chaitanya's mercy. That's not the qualification. One should be approaching very humbly, that I have no qualification, please give me a mercy. If we approach in a humble mind, then we can get the mercy. So what this brings us back to the original point that without discrimination, everybody, especially those who feel the most hopeless, the most unqualified, they have a claim to get the mercy first. How many here feel highly qualified and what things should deserve to get the mercy? How many feel that uh, they are very much in need of the mercy of the Lord and they are very unfortunate, therefore they need to get the mercy very quickly? <laughs> That's the proper attitude. So, 
It's the proud people that think they know it all, they have a hard time. But the humble people, they get their mercy very quickly. Now, as I mentioned that every devotee has got that mercy they're carrying in their heart and seed, and they can give that to others. Lord Srila uh, Prabhupada called it as a Bhaktivinoda Thakur actually called it as a ocean, as a medicine. And it's he also Dhimaya Dashi Baro Lagi Hari Rama Mahamantra Lao Tumi Magi. And I have brought you the medicine to the antidote to kill or to, the, to eradicate the disease of age of color. You simply take this medicine and you'll achieve all the happiness. Everything, all the suffering will go. Every one of you has got that medicine, or you can get it very easily here. Malati Devi and others here are having this medicine. You can give it out to others. Now, say that there is an epidemic going around, and you have the life-saving medicine to cure people. But then willfully you just don't give it to someone. You just stand there and watch them die. Would that be very merciful or very cruel? Wouldn't that be like almost murder? That's why Lord Chaitanya, he was saying that people born in India, Bharatbhumi, De Manusha, Janmo Hailo Jar, Janma Shatra, Kori Koro Koro Bukhar, they should perfect their lives because there the medicine is freely available. You can freely get it. So easily someone can perfect their life and understand what is spiritual life. Then what they should do? Koro Bukhar, they should help others. The one person took it out seriously is Divine Grace in the Abhay Charan Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada, my spiritual master and Iskand's founder. And therefore the whole world now has got Krishna consciousness. But his request is that everybody to their capacity take it out and give it to others. Now, which direction should I go, Malati? Should I show the contact, prospective congregational teaching, or show my outdoor project? Huh? Very good. Maybe this uh, screen can be. Um, if this screen works, it's probably going to be easy. Is that what you're asking? No, I'm asking whether I should show my upward presentation or a congregational preaching presentation. I think, yeah, I think Depending on the audience is here. Would you all like to see my upward presentation? Yeah! Oh, okay, minus money, money. Well, like <laughs> yeah. There are two opportunities. One is to see my encore, and the other is to discuss about how to explain the congregational teaching.
Thank you for watching our videos. Be sure to subscribe to our channel. We publish new videos every day. And don't forget to like and share our channel.